Good to see everybody here today. Uh, good to be back. Had a, a tremendous time in Boise. Uh, very good. It, absolutely the best trip I've had to Boise ever in the sense of ministry and uh, was very excited about that. I tell you, I, I was looking at uh, the things God has done, you know, because there was a time here not too long ago that Gary was going to move there, Gary and Don. And when I go out there now, the word of the Lord has really blessed uh, Dave and Connie. And I'm just, I'm thrilled about it. I mean, the purpose and the vision that the church has now is just fantastic. So to watch God do some great work there, it's awesome. It's awesome. We had a great time in the Lord. So uh, in the meetings, uh, we had good times and didn't do a lot of, um, a lot of, what do you say, adventurous, fun things that you might would want to do in Boise and uh, beyond. But we did make it to Twin Falls um, and hung out with the group there. So that was kind of nice on Saturday. That's like two hours down, two hours back. Uh, beautiful drive, though. Beautiful out there. So that was exciting. But I wanted to mention, too, I taught a couple of things out there. Um, if you haven't heard of them, they're, they're posted online. One of them was about seeking the kingdom first. The other one was about, I think I, I used a title that would provoke people. And so I said, the devil can't have the sons of God. And in those teachings, one of the things I focused on was, have you ever considered, you know, when you seek first the kingdom, how big the kingdom is? Most people seek a lot about your own salvation, don't you? But you go listen to that one. You will not just be seeking your own needs after you listen to that one. You will be seeking a much bigger view of God because the kingdom is filled with all the things that God created. So look around you. I mean, are we all part of the kingdom? So would, would you just want to seek your own or would you also want to seek the will of God for everybody in this place? Everybody that belongs to God, you'd want to seek that too. Isn't that cool? And then the other teaching was about the sons of God and how, you know, we dealt with Revelation 12 and how that the devil's after the sons of God and the devil's after the son of God that you are, not just Jesus. He's after the sons of God that you are. And I'm telling you, you should listen to that because there's some things in there that'll truly help you defend yourself against the devil. And you know what? We didn't come here just to lollygag around today. We came here to continue to put the devil on notice and the heavens that we are here, God's blessing is on us, and we're going to move forward in the will of God, aren't we? And while I was gone, uh, there was some interesting conversations going on. Uh, I know Gary mentioned as well and, and some things that Rick had said uh, that had told Ann, and I didn't talk to you personally about this yet, but Gary has really informed a lot of us about the desire of making sure that the church stays looking inward versus outward. Well, I'm here to tell you, we are looking inward. And we are going to continue to look inward. And what does that mean? That means we're going to worship God in the spirit, not in the flesh. 
Isn't that true? How many of you live for God in the spirit and not in the flesh? Now, what I mean by that is your flesh is just following what your spirit says to do. Right, Tim? Do you tell your flesh what to do? You do, don't you? Yeah, you do. How? By the word of the Lord that's in you, don't you? And therefore, we're going to obey the word of the Lord for sure. And I love that. I love that. And I think today, with all the reports that's going on with what God is doing and the testimonies that we're receiving, it's an exciting thing that the word of the Lord has done. He is preparing us for some big things. And so I want to remind you today, what was the things that I taught you at the beginning of the year that God wanted to see happen this year? Do you remember? Thank you. Enter the rest. Now, I, I know Pastor Brian talked about at his church, he said it's the year of the Spirit. But listen, I want you to stay focused. Don't, Spirit for you in your mind can be very general. You hear what I'm saying? I want you to make sure that you stay very close. And I'm talking to this church here, this church, the word of the Lord right here. Every church is in a different place. This church here, there's something very, very important that's still got to happen. You know what it is? The rest is a big deal. But when you talk about living in the spirit, what are we really talking about? Enter into the rest? Right on. What else? Someone add something to that. Looking inward. I like it. What else? Very good. So Megan brought up that we also talked about serving the Lord by love and not fear. So keep going, man. You're doing good. Not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. See, all of this comes into play when you're talking about walking in the Spirit, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Having His glory revealed. Oh, boy. That's going to help you walk in the Spirit right there. If you have His glory revealed, Tim, the glory of Christ, who else's glory you have revealed? The man of sin. Also what? The glory of who you are in Him. I like it. You actually answered two answers. Both were actually right, but I was looking for the second one. When you have the glory of the Lord revealed in you, who else is revealed in you? You, who you are in him. Now, everything, if you pay attention to everything that's been being taught here in these churches here, you're going to notice something. The Lord wants to bring us into a place of the Spirit where our consciousness is living by what works within us, not without. In other words, we're being led by the Spirit, which makes us what? Sons of God. Dave, what does the dragon, the devil, want to kill? The sons of God. Now, if you didn't listen to that that I taught Wednesday, in Revelation 12, there is a woman that's bringing forth a child. And that child is a male child, a son, right? Many would say, well, that's Jesus. But it's more than just Jesus. It's who Jesus represents. 
Jesus represents the sonship of the kingdom. And therefore, the dragon is trying to kill the sons of God in his people, in God's people. We're not going to let that happen, are we? No way, man. See, when you start talking about sonship, you start talking about everything within you. Because, well, first of all, we've said this many, many times. If it's outward, all you ladies are in trouble. If it's inward, all you ladies have hope. Wow, that's cool. I love that. If it's inward and works in the Spirit, then that's where the new man is working versus the old man. How many of you remember this teaching? Actually, years, it's been in the making, years and years. Corinthians 15, there is a celestial body, there is a terrestrial body. Now, what other body did I leave out of that? The physical body. Did you, who said that? Thank you. The physical body. Wasn't it taught to you that there's a celestial body, a terrestrial body, and a physical body? Did you guys remember that teaching? Okay. When's the last time you heard me talk like that? Long, long time. Long, long time. That's, but yet, I have the whole time. Now, that's the thing. See, celestial and terrestrial... Celestial means heavenly. Terrestrial means earthly. Well, how much do you hear me talk about that all the time? What the Bible doesn't say in Corinthians 15 is that there's a celestial body, heavenly, there's a terrestrial body, earthly, and then there's a physical body. How many read that part? Anybody? So how many of us has ever been a little bit confused about that whole thing? Anybody? few people? It's okay if you want to raise your hand. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, let me say something to you here. When you're dealing with a church and a body of Christ, I want you to walk into this with this mindset, okay? Don't be confused about living in the physical world. When it comes to the gospel, the gospel is about everything that is spiritual. The gospel is about a spiritual subject. And so when, when you deal with ideas like celestial or terrestrial, which once again, that, those two words are only used in the King James Version. So if a, if a group of people don't use the King James Version, they're not even going to know what you're talking about. So most Bibles say heavenly and earthly. Which makes sense. It's all the same thing. It doesn't really matter if you say either words. The point being is this. When God wants to save you, he wants to take your old self and make it a new self. Because that's what old man is and that's what new man is. So what he wants to do is when, he, when God who is spirit talks to you, he wants you to think spiritual. So, by, so how he does that is he doesn't come in and say, well, I'm just going to talk about your physical life all the time. No, God says there's something greater here. I'm going to talk about your old self, which is within you, and your new self. And so he's not going to write a Bible full of, 
of all the things that you need to perfect in the physical life. He's going to write a book that tells you how to deny the carnal mind, the old man, and learn how to walk in the new mind, the spiritual mind, the new man in Christ, the new you, the one that glorifies in the Lord. Now, does that make sense? Because when you're dealing with a teaching that needs to get you to heaven, he's not going to tell you how to fix flesh and blood. Because flesh and blood, finish that for me, cannot inherit the kingdom. And if God is all about the kingdom, Paula, good to see you here. If God is all about the kingdom and he wants you to live in the kingdom, why would he come down and say, I want to, uh, to fix your hair because your hair is a little out of place and that won't work in the kingdom. Or it needs to be longer. Or it needs to be shorter. Or it needs to be a different color. Is that what God's talking about? Or does God want to work on you who will live in the kingdom forever? Now we're talking about sons of God. Now we're talking about daughters of God. That's awesome. Now we're talking about the family of God. So when the devil is after you, let's get this real clear. Is he after your physical flesh or is he after the spirit that you are that has the chance to make it to heaven? Oh, he wants your spirit. He wants to destroy your spirit. And so you say, well, the teaching of celestial, terrestrial, and physical that was taught to us so many years is not all the way in the Bible. It's there. Because the fact that it focuses on the spiritual man, good and evil, shows us that God in our life is very concerned about how you think. I want to put a scripture up. I need to remind you today that our heart is what God is after. Our mind is what God is after. Uh, Jeremiah 31 31, 31, 31. Let's read that today. Now, this is a prophecy that Jeremiah said. Behold, the days come, says the Lord. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Stop right there for a second. Wait, a new covenant. What was the old, Megan? So, so. God went from telling everybody what to do in the flesh, be obedient according to the flesh, to saying, I'm going to make a new covenant, Brad. I'm going to go on something that's better than the flesh. I'm going to make a new covenant. Now, this was a promise of God. And let me just give you a little for advancement. We're in the promise now. We're in the fulfillment of this now. Okay? So I'm going to make a new covenant with you. I love it. Verse 32. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Back up 31. Let me make something clear. Who's he talking to here? The house of Israel, right? Or you may say, well, I wasn't, I'm not of the house of Israel. By faith, you're the children of Abraham. By faith, you're of the new Israel. By faith, are you now in this prophecy? 
Oh, come on. Nobody's left out. Nobody. Nobody. Because of who, Tim? Who? I can't hear you, man. Jesus. Okay, good. You had some help there from your friends. <laughs> 32. This new covenant, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke. Although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord. Who that's heavy, man. Remember when I taught in Yuma that we went through a deliverance from, the, from Egypt? Did, did that happen to us in the flesh? In our physical lives, did that happen to us? Yes, it did. But where? Notice what he said. You guys can remember that in the flesh and glory in it, yes. But I still want something greater than that. What good is it, Tim, to be free in the flesh with nobody tormenting you, so to speak, or putting you down in the flesh what good is it if none of that exists and you're free to walk around if your mind is still bound? What good is it? It's no good. You could say, oh, I'm free to go where I want, when I want, how I want, but then I'm tormented in my mind? What freedom is that? None. So where's the slavery at? In the mind. Where's the sin and death at? In the mind, in the heart. God said, I want to change that. How I'm going to do it, Brad, is I'm going to write a new thing on your heart. Oh, this is good. Let's keep going. Verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Ooh, where's that at? Now, I'm pointing something out because I'm going to read the version in Hebrews. Notice what it says, that I will put my laws in the inward parts and write it in their hearts. Two things, inward part and hearts. Keep that in mind. Okay, but let me read the next verse. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor... And every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord. And I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. You know why that verse is so powerful? Because that when this covenant hits you, you will not have to be told to love God. When this covenant is written on you, Julie, you will not have to be told to go find the Lord and know the Lord. This covenant will write on your heart and it will make you go after the Lord with everything you've got. You won't have to be told. See, and that's what the law did. It said, you have to do this. But the new covenant says, <laughs> you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me to serve the Lord I'm at attention, man. I love God with all my heart, with all my inward parts. I love God. Isn't that cool? Now, isn't that freedom? Isn't that better, Keith, than having to be told I have to serve the Lord? That's what God is after. Hebrews 8.10. 8.10. 
He's going to quote, the writer of Hebrews is going to quote this prophecy in Jeremiah 31 through 33, 34. And he's going to say, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their inward parts. Did you notice that, Brad? What's the writer of Hebrews say the inward part says? The mind. Where are you going to serve the Lord from? Remember what Paul said? With my flesh I serve sin, but with the mind I serve God. What are we doing for you by bringing a word of God to you, Tim? Oh, changing your mind. See, some of you in your mind, you say, well, I like my life. I want to change your mind on that. I want you to like your life in Jesus. So I want your mind to be changed to where you think of the Lord as your number one priority in your life. I want to change your mind to where you look at the Lord and say, everything I do will please him. That's, what, that's how I want your mind to think. Say, well, I'm struggling with that. Don't worry. Keep coming and getting the word. You know what the word does to you, don't it? It changes you. It changes you. And then one day, Paula, you hear the sound of a trumpet. And that the sound of a trumpet, the word of the Lord comes alive in you. And you know what it does? It changes your corruptible mind into a mind and a body of incorruption. That's what happens. And so sometimes we just need, we need the Word to come and do that for us. That's what everything we are about in this church is about the Word of the Lord changing you. And then it goes on to say, I'll put their laws in their mind, my laws in their mind. I will write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Let me read one more verse there, verse 13. In that he says, a new covenant. He has made the first old now that which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away i just want to keep reading but i'm not <laughs> i'm going to stop because <laughs> i love hebrews they're just so powerful what do you, what does he do with the old it vanishes away in other words what did G, what did god do with the body of jesus that went into the grave how did it vanish away, Megan? He changed it. So see, God's not doing away like as in completely destroying the word of God that he gave Israel as a covenant of law. He's just changing it. He's changing it from a work of the flesh to a work of the spirit. That's what he's doing. He's changing this whole Bible. I told them, I asked the Boise group, I said, uh, does your Bible need to be saved? 
Does it? Come on, everybody. And they're like, oh, what? You know, you're like, well, no, the Bible doesn't need to be saved. Oh, it might. How are you reading it? Because if you're reading it in the old Marvin, in the old mindset, it needs to be updated to the saved version. To the version of the Bible that tells you, you are spiritual. You are full of life. You are the resurrection with Jesus Christ. That's the Bible I read. What about you? You read that Bible? Are you still reading a Bible of, oh my gosh, I'm so full of sin. I can't make it today. I sure want to go to church, but I sure don't want to. I got things I want to do. And then when you do come to church, is your Bible awake or is it asleep? Is the preaching awake or is it asleep? Well, how you tell is where your mind's at while the preaching's going on. Yeah, I'm really wanting some of that food today. Whoo, man, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. It's like, well, that project I got to do at home, it sure is getting summertime. The spring's here. Where's my mind at? Where's my mind at? Where's my mind at? That's what I want to ask. Is everything new or is it still old? Or do you feel like you're caught in the middle? I'm on my way. Come on, give me a break. I'm halfway in the, in the new and I'm halfway in the old. How many of you feel like that? <laughs> I'm half in, half out, man. Come on. Even Peter had one foot in the boat while he had the other one out. But he was moving. That's our excuse, right? <laughs> Listen, all I'm trying to say here today is the new covenant means we're going to do this by love. And I've got to keep revisiting this because if you're going to enter into a place of rest that God has promised us, rest is a place where everything's by love. It doesn't mean that the devil's not out and about trying to do things to you. And convince you of sin. It means that in the Lord is all my hope. It means that in the Lord is all my trust. It means that in the Lord, God is my provider. That, that God is my answer to every prayer. It, it means that the Lord has saved me and, and brought me forth. That, that's the rest we're talking about. And so therefore, we got to continually be reminded I say, when Pastor Brian preached uh, the year of the Spirit, I'm on board, man. I'm 100%. What I'm saying is I want you to know what that means. So I want you to know what it means in my perception. I want you to know what it means in Gary's perception, in, in Pastor Brian's perception, Keith, PK, Dave, and then one another. Have you walked up to one another and said, hey, have you entered rest yet? Have you walked up to one another and said, hey, is your Bible awake? Have you walked up to one another and said, are you fellowshipping with the Lord from the heart? Are you walking up to one another and saying, hey, let's go. We've got a word of God here in this church. Let's go together. You want to partner up with me? Yeah. Is this the conversations we're having with one another? To where the Lord is glorified amongst the body of Christ? 
Because we are the believers, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. I don't know about you, but this stuff, I promise you, if any of you feel at war in your minds and sin and death still has a place in you, I want you to know something. I promise you, by my own testimony, by what the Lord has told me and showed me, there is a place of rest. It does exist. And continue, continue. And that's why the Word is so powerful in our church. The Word. It has to be the number one thing. Because the Word is what changes us. And you never know when the Word's going to come to you. And speak to you and open up your thoughts. We're going to serve the Lord as the believers of God. And we're not going back to the works of the flesh. Not going to do it. Why would we? Now what does that mean? Did you come to church by faith today or did you come to church by a work of the flesh? By faith. You came here by faith, believing that the word is true. And so in, in your mind, if you are thinking to yourself, well, yeah, I wish I came by faith. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to throw my alarm clock against the wall or I had to put something down and leave it so I did have to come to church. See, if that's you right now, just everybody calm down. <laughs> the devil's a liar. And flesh will not win. Flesh will not win. Faith wins. Because resurrection wins. Death is overcome. And so... Like I said, if you're still in the war, I read a prophecy to you that said, I am bringing a new covenant. And by the time this is over, should all of us be in the new covenant? Yeah, together. Together. Together as the body of Christ. So if, if you feel weak today, let the strong help raise you up. And stand in the gap. That's what we will do. Because that's what Christ did. And I want to ask you a question. I was thinking about this with uh, Easter. Remember Easter just happened? What's Easter supposed to represent? The resurrection of who? And? <laughs> Thank you. And you. Us with Jesus. I mean... If Jesus resurrected, that represents Jesus resurrecting. But see, next Easter, we're coming into this place, and it's going to be us with him being resurrected. That's our celebration. How about that? Who's going to remember that? I, I'm going to have to trust the Lord that I remember I said that. <laughs> Thank you. So I got some reminders in here. We'll trust the Lord to be a reminder too. But, the, but I noticed something. I, I put forth a question that people actually struggled with when I presented it. The question was, can you tell everybody in our church what kind of hope the resurrection has put in you? Simple, right? What hope has the resurrection put in you? You know, that question started confusing some people. 
You know what it made people start thinking? Well, I haven't experienced a resurrection. And I thought, my God, we have lived and preached this gospel. How could we not think we've experienced resurrection? How could we not think that? Well, let me ask you guys something. Who in here has always thought, well, if I, if I experience a resurrection, I mean, I, I got to see it. I got to have some experience in the dream and the vision. Uh, would, you, would you say that? Well, here's what I want to ask you. How many of you had a big dream and vision when you gave your heart to the Lord? But you still think you're saved, don't you? How many of you believe you're saved? Why? You didn't have a dream or vision. Did you? But you believe it, don't you, Julie? So if I say that by the word of the Lord, you've been baptized into Christ to walk in newness of life just as he was resurrected, you're going to struggle believing that too? If you believed you're saved, why can't you believe to walk in newness of life? Everybody get my point? I hope I explained that good. My point is, we say we're saved by faith, but then when it comes to believing in resurrection, we got to have a dream or a vision? Why would you put one more sacred than the other? What if it's all in Christ? And if you can believe in the Son of God today, can you walk in newness of life? Can you walk in this covenant? And I'm going to tell you something. The dreams and the visions... They are awesome and they are a blessing and they work to take us into greater things. But that don't mean everybody's going to have them. But one thing everybody will have is faith in God. And today, I, I want you to shake off wrong expectations and just love God with all your heart. Is that easy enough? Shake off false expectations and love God and have faith in God, believe in God and in the words of Jesus Christ. And you watch what happens. And I'll be the first to testify. When I felt like I couldn't understand the Spirit, I settled on one big common thing. Just believe. Just believe, man. And if God wants to give more to me, praise God, I'll take it. But if I go my whole life believing everything my pastor says or everything the Word of God says and everything that's been given to me, if I believe it with all my heart, confess it with my mouth, will I be saved? You bet I will. And so will you. Isn't that awesome? So there is a promise. God is actually writing the Word of the Lord on your heart. To where you follow it without being told what to do. You, well, God will always be telling you what to do. But you, you get my point. It's like you're learning by the Spirit. And many of you, if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you come to church today, Naomi, and if you could take the words I'm saying, is it a man talking to you or can you receive it by the Spirit? By the Spirit? So is He writing it on your heart? Yeah. So how many got some more words written on the heart today? Praise God. 
Devil can't have the son. Devil can't have the, the kingdom. Doesn't belong to him. This is the Lord's kingdom. And this church will represent the Lord's kingdom. We have to. We have to. So, if you bring the devil in with you, we're going to have to deal with him. Okay? And that's a good thing. Because at some point, he has to be removed out, doesn't he? I love this place, man. I love this word of God. I'm grateful God's put me here and put us together. There's a future for our church. And God's doing something in us that's very risky in a lot of churches. It's risky. You know, you want to know what it is? He's teaching us how to serve him by love. And people think, oh, no, we've always known that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. What would happen if I told you you didn't have to do anything in the flesh anymore? Would you still do it? That's the test. You don't have to come to church anymore. Just love God. That's the test. Would you still come to church? That's love. If you stop coming to church, you're under commandment. You're under a law. But if I said you don't have to do it, but you still do it, what's that show you? You love God. What if I told all of you, you don't have to give another dime to this church? Would you do it? Would you still give? Uh-huh. You know why? Because you know if you don't give another dime to this church, this building goes away. And this group we have starts falling apart. You, don't, you, you love God, don't you? You know you love God. That's why it's risky because you see churches, you know, having to beat the congregation to make them do things. Not here. Not here. I've said it in my heart. The word of the Lord for this covenant is to love the Lord with all your heart. Not be forced to do it. So you will come to this church because you love God. You will give to this church because you love God. You will read your Bible because you love God. You will fellowship here because you love God. You will join our WebEx meetings because you love God. Not because I'm going to stand here with a bat going, if you get out of line, I'm going to smack you a good one. Remember those days? Get up here ranting and raving and screaming, you guys better start paying your tithes. Or God's going to get you. You're not going to hear that. But you are going to hear, love him. Give everything. And I said it before. God's not after 10% anymore. That's Old Testament. He's after everything. He's after all of you. John, does God just want 10% of your little heart? No, he wants it all, doesn't he? You ready to give it? Praise God. You hear that? That's good. How many would say, I'm with you, John? I would give it all. <laughs> right on. That's good stuff, man. I've said enough, haven't I? I think you get it, though. I think you get it. I think the message is clear. I love what God is doing. 
I honor all the other elders that are preaching the gospel uh, among us. I honor all of you who live faithfully unto the Lord and have testimonies. Praise God, man. I want to see that increase. So we're going to keep going after it. This new covenant right here, okay? It's written inward. It's written in the heart. <laughs> I love that. And to, to Ann, who has said recently that Rick has been saying many good things off and on, right? The word of the Lord. We're, we're never going to forget him, man, are we? We're not going to forget him. And we're going we're gonna to rejoice in the Lord because that word has been established here. Praise God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Anybody got any comments, questions? Yeah. Yeah. So in uh, Jeremiah 31, where you started reading to us, or in actually in verse 32, where he talks about the covenant that he made with the fathers, but that they broke it, right? And though I was unto you a husband, said the Lord, right? And I thought that was really cool because we began to talk about the new covenant where you don't have to be told to love the Lord. You don't have to be told to serve the Lord when he writes it in your heart. I mean, that covenant... You won't break it. You don't break it because you love the Lord. And he is your husband, right? He's our husband. He's our father. But you are joined to the Lord like a wife to a husband and a husband to a wife out of love. And you're not breaking that covenant. And I just like, that's so cool. What a, I mean, we've talked about that example, but what a great example. It's there in this new covenant as well. He establishes it so that we serve him out of love. And we don't break a covenant because we love, our, we love the Lord. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that out. That's good, isn't it? There's so much there. How many of you consider the Lord your husband? You're the church, right? Right? You don't want to commit adultery on him, do you? Well, love him then. Submit to him. That's awesome. No, that's good. I like that. He's our husband as the church, right? He loves it. He laid his life down for us. That's pretty powerful. Let's give him all. How's that? Anybody else? Well, stand up then. You know what we got to do now, don't you? We got to seal the deal. We got to shake on it. That's if, that's if this covenant is for you. Is it for you? If it's for you, raise your hand. When you raise your hand, you're shaking my hand. And then when you shake my hand, you're shaking the Lord's hand too, right? Both hands? Praise God. Good for you. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. It's true as always. I love it. And this covenant, we're honoring this covenant, Lord. You gave it to us as a way out of sin and death. We love you with all our hearts, with all our minds, all our soul, all our strength. We'll live for you today, Lord, and we submit ourselves to you in your kingdom Guide us and teach us. Be a husband to us. Be God to us. And we will be your people. In Jesus' name, amen.